Mason in the middle. And what a finish that is. Mason mounts. That is extraordinary from Fikayo Tomori. Loses Callum Hudson. And oh, there it is. His first goal for Chelsea, the teenager. A moment he will remember. Yes, guys, welcome back to the Chelsea Spot podcast. This is episode five, and football is back. Um, we're going to be talking about the Bundesliga today. We will be reviewing that. Um, we know it's not strictly Chelsea related, but we are going to be looking at a few Chelsea targets and some stuff like that. And you can't blame us that talking about it because we've missed football for two months. Um, today, it's just myself and Orlando. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, still in dire need of a haircut, but I'm, I'm hanging in there. Yeah, yeah, I think we all feel the same. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into the Bundesliga review in a short while. Just quickly, guys, there's a few news points to get out of the way before we do chat about that. Um, there obviously has been quite serious allegations against Hudson and Doy recently with some stories. It's loads of paper talking, stuff like that in the minute. We don't know exactly what's going on, but um, we, we're not really going to comment further on that one. Uh, but we are aware of the situation. On a more positive note, however, the Premier League teams have been back training this week. Well, as of today, anyway, uh, including Hudson and Um Six people did test positive for um, coronavirus, but out of 750 or so that were tested, that's actually a very low number. It's less than what was in the Bundesliga, and obviously we saw that come back uh, this weekend. Um, it includes Chelsea, uh, and Kante had hair in the pictures. It was very funny. Um, you should check that out on Twitter, including on our on our Twitter and the Chelsea spot as well, if uh, you want to see Kante with a nice little... Nice little bob going on. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll jump into the Bundesliga action next up. Okay, so Bundesliga, we may as well start at what was probably the most anticipated game of the starting weekend, at least for me, uh, and that was Borussia Dortmund versus Schalke in the derby. Um, it was the first game I watched. It was what, Obviously, they all kicked off at the same time, really. at two. I think it was uh, 2 o'clock off 2, uh, but this was on I chucked on. Um, ended 4-0 to Dortmund Erling Braut Haaland no surprise got on the score sheet as well as ex-Chelsea man Thorgan Hazard and then Rafa Guerrero who Orlando absolutely loved scored too and he also did predict he'd score before the game um, I think Dortmund were absolutely excellent uh, and they didn't didn't look like they'd been off for too much so I expected it to be a little bit like a pre-season game um, what, what did you reckon Orlando of the game? Well I think Dortmund were excellent but to be honest Schalke were terrible like the way they set up, uh, they, they decided to match Dortmund in the three four three shape, at least um, for the first part of the match. And they, they were just awful. I wrote an article with a little bit of tactical analysis, but basically they, they, they were pressing high, but Dortmund just dealt with it so easily. They were pressing high and in lots of numbers, but it was just ineffective. Dortmund were beating them. Um, and then the wing-backs, uh, uh, Hikimi and Guerrero, and also Julian Brandt and Torkan Hazard, the kind of inside wingers. They had so much space to play with, and that's how pretty much all the goals came, apart from one, uh, the Hazard one, which came on the counter-attack. But, um, yeah, the Schalke wing-backs were very ineffective, which is a bit of a shame because I was really looking forward to seeing John Joe Kenny, who's on loan from Everton. He's been, he's done really well there this season. Um, but, yeah, they were very ineffective for Schalke, and Dortmund capitalised. Yeah, I think uh, a standout performance for me was Julian Brandt, like you mentioned a minute ago, kind of um, playing with sort of Thorgan Hazard in that kind of advanced attacking midfield sort of role. Um, he was, I think he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, I think they, they didn't even pay that much for him, did they? It was like 30, mil- 30 million, something like that. Yeah, um, think, yeah, he was, he was, it was known that he was a, a big talent when he was at Leverkusen last season with, with Havertz, who I'm sure we'll talk a lot about later. Um, but 
yeah, he was. I wrote in my article that he was he was my man of the match. That's my opinion. I know I know Guerrero scored two, but Brandt uh, got two assists, and in the other two goals, he, he played like a large part in the build-up play. And he was just apart from that, like as well as that, he 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 did that really really nice flick, which I'm sure you all saw. Um, so audacious, and he pulled it off so well. Um, and just in general, he controlled the kind of flow of the game really. Whenever he was on the ball, he was kind of setting the tempo. He knew when to play long, when to play short. Um, went to play quickly, went to hold on to the ball a bit. Um, just a really, really impressive performance from him. Yeah, my my moment in the game that just kind of me made me kind of be like, wow, was was that flick like you mentioned? It was just out of nowhere and deep in his own half. They're under a bit of pressure and he does this like scorpion kick flick thing out to the <laughs> right back pinpoint. It was a, so good. But yeah, his fancy flicks and tricks, his passing all game was immaculate. Really, really great, great performance from him. Um, everyone for, for Dortmund played well. Though. Obviously, Erling Brett Haaland dominated again. Like I said, Schalke didn't play very well. It seemed that um, Dortmund were kind of getting a lot of space on the attack. They keep, they keep getting through like 3v2 and stuff like that. And um, I think part of that was Haaland's movement. He just seems to have, without the experience, the, just the instincts to get into the right place at the right time all the time. Um, he is something out of a lab. He, he belongs in Area 51. He, he, he can do everything. He's, ma- <laughs> he's massive. He's the quickest person I think I've ever seen move other than maybe Adama Traore. His finishing is crazy. He looks crazy. His interviews are hilarious. Um, I actually love him and they paid less than 20 million for him and if they sell him in the summer or next summer they're getting 100 million no doubt Yeah. Um, but obviously him he on the score sheet again um, assisted by Thorgan as of the first goal and Thorgan ran through and lovely finish as well to get a goal himself it was a shame Chelsea let him go isn't it Orlando I think he it, it's good it, you know hindsight's a wonderful thing but he's yeah. a great player yeah it is that, in fact that was the goal that I did uh, a big kind of tactical analysis um, on in the article but yeah, fantastic cross. I mean, he did have quite a lot of time to measure it out, but it is unfortunate that Chelsea let him go. But I think, to be honest, he, he wasn't that good when, when he was playing for us, to be honest. And a lot of people say the same thing about, you know, De Bruyne and Salah. But realistically, I don't have that much regret about them um, because they they just weren't that good, weren't that special. And I think you can't put that much blame on Chelsea. Obviously, they're some of the best players in the world at the moment um, now. But back then, they didn't show many signs of becoming that, and you can't really blame blame Chelsea for letting them go. I think the one actually that I do have a big regret about is perhaps one that doesn't get mentioned so much, which is uh, Romelu Lukaku. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, completely he, agree. I love him. He was really good for us, and I was I was really really annoyed when we let him go. But um, yeah, I think. Unfortunate that we let Torgan Azar go, but you know he, he could come back in the future if he keeps on playing so well. Um, that could be someone that we look at, at trying to target. Um, but yeah, it's it's not too bad. Well, another guy Chelsea could look to target. Uh, only played ten minutes in this game. Been able to chat about it. It's Jaden Sancho. Didn't really get a chance to do anything. Only came on the 80th minute. Um, he did look a bit fat though. Um, <laughs> But he has been off football for two months, so uh, we will let him off. Um, but yeah, he uh, didn't really get a chance to do him. He had a few nice touches, though. He didn't look bad. He looked fairly sharp. But I'm sure next weekend he probably will get a few more minutes for Dortmund. He's not injured or anything. I think he obviously, well, blatantly by looking at him, wasn't at the same level of fitness as the other guys. Um, just shortly and quickly on Schalke, like we said, didn't really offer very much. I did think um, the forward, Amin Harit. Is it Harit or Harit? How you pronounce it? I think it's Harit. Um, Arit, uh, Arit meet. I think he, um, 
was very bright for them at times. You can see that he's got some technique about him. He had a few nice touches and stuff like that. He was the only really maybe little spark in the attack, although he did have a fairly quiet game um, by his standards. I've seen him play a couple of times in the Bundesliga this season. I hadn't seen him before that, I won't lie. Last season, I'd never heard of him, but he's doing well this season. He's got a few goals and assists, and he's someone who's um, linked to a few big teams. I don't think he's someone Chelsea are necessarily going to target, but I do think he uh, was fairly bright for Schalke. I think there was one other player who stood out to me from Schalke, and it's someone who's actually recently stated that he, he wants to make playing in the Premier League his next goal, and that's Weston McKennie, the American midfielder. Oh, yeah, of course. I thought, yes. I thought he, he was kind of one who stood out to me from a very poor Schalke performance, but he, um, I wrote about this in my article, so I know that he made, I think, four, four tackles and five interceptions all game, which was the highest in both stats out of anyone on the pitch. Um, and it was just, just quite obviously, <laughs> he didn't really have much of an impact on the game, but he made quite a few good interceptions that led to counter-attacks where Schalke could have perhaps uh, threatened Dortmund's goal. Um, and yeah, um, perhaps he could be someone who Chelsea target in the future. I know we're pretty stacked in midfield, but you know he might want to join his old mate um, uh, Christian Pulisic. But yeah, you never know. Yeah, I think to be fair, I forgot, I forgot to mention him actually. That he he was one one of the better players on the pitch um, for Schalke. Well, one of the only good players on the pitch for Schalke. Really, I think he was really good, and he does look really bright. And um, anybody listening who uses Football Index, you will be very happy about how much money he made you this weekend as well. Just as a short note, um, we'll move on from uh, Dortmund versus Schalke. A very entertaining game that one. To another one which uh, had a bit of. Uh, bit of controversy, I guess you could say. Uh, I don't think Mio Orlando managed to catch this game because we were watching the Dortmund game, but we will obviously touch on it. It was uh, Augsburg 1, Wolfsburg 2. Um, VR ruled out an Augsburg goal, uh, which would have made it, well, it would have meant the full, full-time result was 2-all. Um, but then Wolfsburg scored a 91st-minute winner in this game. Um, so already, obviously, one of the first games of football being back, there's VAR all over the place and last-minute winners. Players not necessarily that fit, so you know, late goals when they're tired are probably likely to be a thing. Um, and we saw it across the weekend a little bit. Um, in a, we saw it in another game actually as well, um, which was Leipzig versus Freiburg. But again, VAR <laughs> actually went for it because there was a last-minute winner, um, but VAR ruled it out. Um, but yeah, Leipzig, Leipzig Freiburg, there was obviously a bit more of a Chelsea impetus on that game because um, obviously Ethan Ampadu is at Leipzig, although he did not feature, wasn't even on the bench, he is injured. But the likes of Timo Werner and Upa Meccano were also linked to Chelsea as well as a few other guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, Orlando, did you catch in this game or did, do you want any points you want to make about it? Well, I wasn't able to watch it uh, live because obviously it was at the same time as Dortmund Schalke, but um, I, I did watch the highlights and I just wanted to mention that that VAR call, the winner, the Freiburg, it was Freiburg, it was so close, so so close. Like I'm sure it was the correct decision, but yeah. it was extremely extremely close, um, and I just felt bad for Freiburg because it seems that they played very well. Um, I know Leipzig created loads of chances and just basically didn't finish very well, but um, Freiburg clearly defended well and and could have got all three points, which, to be fair, wouldn't wouldn't really have been a fair result. Um, but a bit of a shock result. We all expected Leipzig to win. Maybe Freiburg are, are a team to look out for in the future. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I mean, Leipzig played OK. Uh, they weren't at their best, um, but you could say the, the result in the end might be 
a little bit flatter into Freiburg. I think Lovely did have the better of the game by the looks of the highlights. Um, you know, there's a few guys, like I mentioned before, that Chelsea have been linked to or that potentially Chelsea fans would want to see Chelsea target. Uh, Werner is an obvious one, or it looks like he's probably more likely to go to someone like Liverpool. Um, but people like Upper Makano seem to be linked to everyone, the centre back. Um, I mean, if there's one guy at Leipzig that you could sign Orlando, which one would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I'd have. Hmm, I would say Timo Werner because he's probably their best player. But he, um, we already have Tammy Abraham, and I love. I'm a huge Tammy Abraham fan. Yeah. So if I had to pick one, I would actually say Angelino, the left back, because wow. I think he's really good. I'm not sure if he's. They're on a permanent or, or is it just on loan? He, for Man City? he is just on loan. I saw today that they want to buy him permanently, but Man City are demanding around 30 million euros. And obviously, because of the current situation, Leipzig don't want to pay that. But at the yeah. minute, it is just a loan from City. Yeah, I think he's a really good player. Um, and I know he's done well at Leipzig so far. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd like him to fill that left-back shape to hold in our squad. But I just wanted to mention that I was really amused when watching, uh, well, actually, it wasn't in the highlights, but I saw it on Twitter, um, in in that game, Adamola Lukman, uh, now he obviously plays for Leipzig, he, he managed to conk a cameraman on the head with one of his shots. <laughs> Even in an empty stadium, he still manages wow. to hit someone smack bang on the head. So I felt a bit sorry <laughs> for that cameraman. No, I... I um... Adam Ellerlockman's someone I really like, actually. I, I was quite upset when he didn't get the chance at Everton because he, he's actually a very good player. And he, I remember he was on loan in the Bundesliga a few years ago and was really good and then came back to Everton and Ronald Koeman just didn't give him the minutes. Um, and then obviously now he's gone out there permanently, I believe, to Leipzig. Um, it's not quite happening for him, um, but I do think he's a guy with a bright future. Um, another one with a bright future, like we mentioned earlier, is Ethan Ampadu. Uh, wasn't in the squad for this one due to a niggling injury, which has been going on for ages now. Do you think he can make an impact for Leipzig this season or is that ship kind of sailed, Orlando? Well, I certainly hope so. I think, I mean, I, I was hoping that he was going to be fit for this game because obviously Upamecano was suspended after picking up his fifth yellow card of the season, like uh, the game before football was put on hold. Um, so they, they, and I think uh, Willie Orban was injured. He's another centre-half in, the, in their squad. Um, so I'm fairly sure they played uh, full-backs at, at Centre back, but the the truth is that they have loads of of defenders. They have you know Mukiel, Klosterman, Halstenberg, all of those. They can play full back or centre back, and it's just a bit hard for Ethan to get into the squad. And I feel a bit sad for him. So perhaps he could get in there in centre midfield. Um, I guess if if they want want to change things up, but it's probably he just has to work really hard in training. Maybe if he gets a few opportunities off the bench really show what he's worth and then hopefully get a start at some point yeah he played in the middle of a back three for them uh, before the lockdown happened against Spurs in the Champions League and he was absolutely amazing that game but other than that he's barely played um, but I really do like him Ampadu and I think he's someone who definitely can make an impact at the heart of Chelsea's midfield um, not, I mean ideally I'd love him to do that next season but it might need another season or two and obviously we are linked to players in that position like Declan Rice and stuff like that um, just before we move on from Leipzig, I want to mention one guy. He's, we're stacked in the area, so I'm not saying Chelsea should target him or anything like that, but he's a player I think goes not necessarily under the radar, but I think he is underrated a little bit, and that's um, Unkunku. Is that how you pronounce it, in midfield? Oh, yeah. He is so, player. so good. He is so good. He's got. He is like a complete midfielder. He, his work rate is intangible, his technique, his, his ability to pass, his ability to create. His, he can just do everything. 
Um, I think he's a massively underrated player. Still like 23, something like that. Um, so I think he's absolutely amazing. Uh, was I say I didn't watch the full game here, so I don't want to give a judgment on his individual display. Uh, it was just the highlights, but I think he is a really, really, really big player to watch out for in the coming years. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at a huge team. I could see him at someone like Liverpool, if I'm honest, uh, which would be a shame. But um, yeah, he's he's looking great. Um, moving on from Leipzig then. Um, another game which was pretty high scoring, actually. Um, there was a few in the in the league. Uh, was Frankfurt 1, Borussia Mönchengladbach 3. Um, the thing that stuck out to me the most was that Eintracht Frankfurt, who we obviously played in the uh, Europa League last season and they took us all those penalties, they really lack a bit of oomph in attack without that trio of um, Jovic, who's obviously now at Madrid, Rebic, who went to Milan, and Sebastian Alla, who is at West Ham. All three of those guys, interestingly, haven't actually had very good seasons at their new teams. Um, but as a trio, last year worked really well and they just seem to lack that. Whereas Munchen Gladbach had the opposite because they've got that partnership up front of uh, Alison Player and Taram, who, like, they're really interesting combo, I think, because I was looking at the stats earlier because uh, I've seen them getting all the plaudits this season and, and at times last. So, Taram's got seven goals and eight assists in the Bundesliga this season, right? And Alison Player's got nine goals and seven assists. So, neither of them are particularly, like, emphatic goal scorers. Neither of them have got double figures. Between, but each they've got around 15 goals and assists so they're just doing both like they're creating they're scoring they're just sharing that workload perfectly and I think that's a really nice dynamic up front for Manchester Gladbach Yeah I completely agree I I'm, I'm, must admit I've fallen in love with Marcus Thuram I think he's brilliant I mean I fell in love with him way before football was put on hold he's been brilliant all season but he just kind of came out of nowhere I I'd ne- I never even knew that Lilian Turam had a son who played football before he kind of burst on the scene at the beginning of this season yeah. uh, for Mönchengladbach. But he's just brilliant. He's such a powerful runner with the ball at his feet. Like, you know, no one can stop him. Um, really good finisher. And I think we saw him score in this game just a tap-in, but the way he ghosted into the position, it reminded me a bit of Thomas Muller. It was kind of Thomas Muller-esque how he just kind of ghosted into the box without uh, the defenders seeing him at all. And obviously, it was a fantastic uh, cross uh, to produce that goal from Rami Bentsabaini, who I was extremely impressed by. Um, yeah. Now, he, of course, he also scored the third goal in the game to make, well, the Mönchengladbach's third goal to make it 3-1 to them from the penalty spot. Um, but he's someone who I was extremely impressed by. And obviously, um, Chelsea will be looking to sign a, a left-back imminently. And perhaps he could be an outside shout. I I'm, can't... Um, I can't admit to having watched him loads, but I've heard very good things about him and his stats look good. Um, and he's one I'll certainly be keeping an eye out in the future. Yeah, it is a position that uh, Chelsea are looking at. And we've been looking across the Bundesliga here at the Chelsea at the Chelsea spot for this weekend. That's some players who we none of us would have really um, seen play that often or possibly even heard of, but they're players that we think maybe Chelsea could target. And he's definitely one. I mean, do, do you think one of those, maybe two from that attacking force could come in? I mean, Chelsea are linked to a striker, Aubameyang, Werner, Mertens, although it looks like he's going to sign... Um, a new contract with Napoli now, but they they want a four by the looks of it. I know we we both love Tammy Abram and I do want him starting as well. But to ram or play, I mean, quite play is quite versatile in effect. I think he has played on the wing and up front, so he kind of offers that dynamic too. Yeah, I was about to say that. I think player would be a really really good shout as a backup. I mean, hopefully, you know, you never know whether he'd want to kind of play that bit part role. 
in a team he might he might want to be st- be at a club where he's starting. But if he does, I think that'd be a fantastic signing. He can play either wing behind the striker up top uh, in a one striker formation in a two striker formation. Really versatile player. <laughs> versatile player. Um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Alassane player. I'd love to see him at Chelsea. Um, really, really like him. Yeah, interestingly as well, um, I don't think that many people and maybe Premier League fans who don't keep up to date with the Bundesliga would have noticed, but Mönchengladbach are actually sitting in third, I believe, right now, ahead of Leipzig. Um, in the yeah. Um, with obviously Bayern and Dortmund as one and two. Um, so they're actually having a really, really good season. and Not necessarily going under the radar, but they don't seem to have anyone who, you know, you look at the squad, you don't necessarily go, oh, that guy's a world-class player who's going to move for 80 million. Do you know what I mean? So they seem to be a good unit and a good team with a few sort of, you know, individuals that are dotted around that can make the difference. And um, I really think they're one to watch. If you are choosing a team maybe still to support for the rest of this Bundesliga season while you're missing the Premier League, they could be a good one to look at. Um, they're, they're obviously pushing to hold on to that Champions League spot, but they're really exciting side. Um, so I, I think they're definitely going to be entertaining and, and a few players to keep keep an eye on there. Um, another game that went on was Hoffenheim nil, Hertha Berlin 3. So... Um, Hoffenheim are actually above her for Berlin in the league um, after this game by four points so before it they were seven points ahead of them and yet got battered 3-0 at home um, again I've only seen the highlights of this one but um, the guy that stands out and what a lot of people um, seem to be raving about is uh, I believe you pronounce it Kuna up front Matthias Kuna yeah yeah. he's he's a fantastic player I I, I actually this is one that I, I can say that I do know quite a bit about him because I was interested in him last season when he was at RB Leipzig. Um, when he's something that stands out to me, and other people may have seen, he scored a fantastic goal where he kind of did a flick uh, to kind of roll a defender, and then he chipped it over the oncoming keeper. And I think that was my favourite goal like of last season, every anywhere, just a, a magnificent goal. And I was really, really surprised to see that he's only he's moved to Hertha on a permanent. Um, oh, because right. I, I, I assumed that he was on loan from Leipzig, but uh, that's not that's not how it is. It, he's he's moved on a permanent. I don't know for how much, but um, I'm really surprised that Leipzig um, let him go that easily. Um, he must have wanted to move for more game time, and I think he's a fantastic player. Only 20 years of age, and it's definitely one for the future. Yeah, he's he's certainly one to look out for. That he looks really bright. I say I don't know much about him, but this is. Something that's so great about the Bundesliga being back before anything else, I guess, that there is a few players that you can keep an eye on and, and, and watch. You, you don't usually get the chance to or don't usually bother to. You're kind of forced to, in this sense, if you're a football fan. And there's loads of hidden gems by the ups of things in the German league. Um, it was, it was, I think it was a really entertaining weekend. And players like him and a few of the guys we mentioned before, the youngsters in there, are really, really good. Um, and there's there, there a few on display in the next game that we're going to talk about as well, which was Union Berlin nil, Bayern 2. Now... Bayern weren't as sharp as you'd maybe expect, but obviously they have had so long off. Um, I think Union Berlin defended pretty well, to be honest, throughout the game. I think they actually played well uh, in, a, in a defensive sense. But Bayern obviously just had that extra bit of quality. Um, VAR actually ruled out a Mulligan to open it, which was annoying for both me and Orlando because of uh, bets we had on. Um, <laughs> however, Lewandowski's always a threat, scored a penalty. He didn't last few. There's a, there's a moment where a ball came into him quite tight to defender. He did back to him and he like, flicked it over him and tried to run through, but the keeper just got there. He, he looked okay up front. 
Um, but yeah, Union Berlin now sit in 12th place. Um, no Coutinho for Bayern, who's obviously someone linked to Chelsea. Um, but I think the standout player in this match was Joshua Kimmich. I absolutely love him. Um, he, someone said, I think it was uh, Danny, one of our Chelsea spot writers, check him out on Twitter, it's at Danny underscore new underscore, um, described him as like a Philip Lahm regen, um, in the sense that he's played right back and holding mid, and he's, he's just amazingly versatile and amazingly good. Um, and I think he would be, I mean, if I could choose a player from Bayern to play for Chelsea, I mean, I'd love him at the base of midfield, ahead of, like, behind someone like Loftus-Cheek and Kante or something. Yeah, I love Kimmich as well. I think he's he's a brilliant player. I think it's interesting. I I don't think that Bayern were very good, to be honest. I mean, I know they, they had loads of the ball. They had by far the majority of possession, but they didn't do that much with it. Nabri, who we've seen as being one of the best players in, in Europe this season, was very ineffective. He kept on losing the ball. And I think that's part due to how well Union defended. I, I was really impressed with with how they defended, not uh, both like not just individually like one v one situations, but as a unit, they were really really good, um, holding their shape and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, um, Muller was kind of drifted in and out. He was probably by one of Bayern's best players, but he didn't really manage to get very close to the goal. Most of the stuff he was doing was kind of out on the wings and and in in the midfield mid mid-third, not really in the attacking third. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Alfonso Davies, also he was getting a bit frustrated at times. Same uh, same with Thiago, one of their best players this season. Um, so, yeah, Bayern looked a bit off it, but I'm sure that's... I mean, they, obviously, they still got the result and they got a clean sheet, so that just goes to show how kind of formidable they are. But, um, yeah, they'll, they'll want to be a lot better next next match day um, and definitely encouraging signs for Union who who dug in very well and it was only going to be 1-0 until kind of the 80, 80th minute or so so yeah he 1-0 home to Bayern is definitely not a bad result um, and they did, they did threaten a bit from set pieces but didn't they've had a few chances at the beginning of the game actually but and it, where it looked like they were actually they had more chances than Bayern, but apart from that, after about the tenth minute onwards, there was nothing really. Yeah, they they, they did all right in the game. So I think like the thing they defended well. They're twelfth in the lead now, so they're sitting fairly comfortably mid table. Yeah, it's worth noting, obviously, there's only eighteen teams in the Bundesliga, not not twenty. So eighteenth is a little bit lower. Uh, it would be the be the equivalent of fourteenth uh, um, in the Premier League, but still, they're, they're fairly comfortably in mid table. Um, so yeah, I think they put in a good good shift and were fairly unlucky not to maybe get a draw, grind at a nil nil. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, Bayern Munich. Uh, their next game is against Dortmund, I believe, or next game but one. Um, so that's going to be yeah, one to look out for. Yeah. It's on. It's on. It's on the Tuesday after this weekend coming. So it's um, only in about a week's time uh, when you'll be listening to this. So um, yeah, that's going to be a really good game to look out for. It'll be really interesting to see. Um, in Bayern, we're not Chelsea aren't necessarily linked to that many players from Bayern other than Coutinho, really, who's on loan from Barcelona, um, who, as we say, didn't didn't feature. So, not too much to mention there. There's not really anyone at Bayern who realistically Chelsea are going to sign. So, uh, can't really twist it to uh, suit the Chelsea agenda. <laughs> who do you I, think? I think? No, I think we've been linked with two of them actually, which is uh, David Alaba and Manuel Neuer. I oh, know yeah, it's unlikely, but uh, Manuel Neuer, I think it is quite likely that he'll sign any contracts at this point because 
you know, Bayern are playing so well and they want to be a part of any success that they have. Um, but I think Alaba could be one that, that could potentially happen. I would absolutely love it because he's he's been one of their best players since Hansi Flick came in and he's not even playing in his natural position. He's playing as a centre-back rather than a left-back. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they have um, they have in their squad Niklas Sula, who's injured and he's coming back. They also have Benjamin Pavard, who I know has been playing as a right-back, but he he um, he is primarily a centre-back, and perhaps if they move Kimmich back out to the right, then Pavard will be once playing in the centre of defence. So they do have quite a few options there, um, and it's just interesting that maybe um, we know what Bayern are like signing all the young talent from Germany. Maybe if they want to sign a new kind of young centre-back, then perhaps Alaba might be the one who departs to fill that hole for them. Um, and I'd love, love to see him at Chelsea. But yeah, probably not that likely. But that's just my hopes. Yeah, and you mentioned Manuel Neuer as well, there as well, who has been linked to a move to Chelsea. Although it does look like he probably will re-sign with Bayern. But they've obviously signed Alexander Nubel, the Schalke goalie, who didn't play. Uh, it's worth mentioning um, Schalke's uh, 4-0 battering by uh, Dortmund. Uh, their backup keeper played, which could have actually contributed to that that loss um, yeah, he was so, <laughs> yeah he wasn't great and but yeah Nubo is going to be the long-term um, vision for Bayern so maybe you'll see Neuer move on and he could come in um, to Chelsea obviously there's a lot of talk about our goalie position uh, worth noting today but news has come out from a few guys few sources that um, Willie Caballero has um, gonna well it has signed a new year, one year extension or it's a it's a it's a extension clause in the contract so he looks like he will be at Chelsea next season most likely as well um, Orlando Bremen got beat 4-1 at home by by Leverkusen. Uh, a good game, entertaining game. Word of Bremen now sits second bottom in the relegation zone. Um, a guy that has been linked to Chelsea is Kai Havertz. Now, he's one of the hottest prospects in world football and he played up front. Some people were saying it's a false nine. To be honest, I did watch the game. I don't necessarily think it was that role. I think it was kind of just playing up front, if I'm honest. I think just because he's traditionally a midfielder and he's playing up front doesn't automatically make him a false nine, if you know what I mean. Um but he's got two goals um, and Leverkusen comfortably won. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I saw one tweet during the game which said, score with your feet, Havertz, you coward, which made me chuckle. Oh. <laughs> it was quite funny because he scored two headers. Obviously, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. That's that's brilliant, two goals, but um, just quite amusing. Um, wow. But yeah, he was he was very, very impressive. Um First head, uh, first header was uh, from a Diaby cross. Really, really good header to guide it across goal. And then the second one was just kind of quite easy. Kind of just let it hit his head, and it went in off the set piece. Where it has to be said, Bremen were awful defensively. I think they conceded two. Was it two or three? It's two. Two of the goals from set pieces. Yeah. Um, they were just awful defensively. And I, I heard the commentator say that it's. I think it's now 14 or 15 headers that Freeman has conceded this season 14 or 15 headers that might even be more than Chelsea and that's saying something yeah exactly um um you know that's that's kind of impressively bad um and it just goes to show why they're sitting in that relegation zone um yeah very unencouraging display for them um I was really really impressed by Leverkusen though um Obviously Havertz, but also Musa Diaby, who got two assists. First, both for headers. First one for Kai Havertz's header. The second one, he just, I love this goal because what Diaby did, he, he saw the runner. Like, But if you took a snapshot of the time when Diaby crossed the ball, 
the runner um, who scored the goal, uh, Mitchell Weiser, probably wouldn't have even been in the picture because he was so far out. And Diaby just put it into that area, dinked it for Weiser to run onto. And it's a fantastic cross and a really good header as well. So I, I love that type of goal. It gives me uh, throwbacks to skulls to Ronaldo for Manu. I remember there's, there's, that was a combination that produced loads and loads of goals. Um, and that goal reminded me of that. Um, it leaves me in a bit of a predicament because next weekend there are two games at the same time. Um, Wolfsburg against Dortmund and then Leverkusen against Mönchengladbach, which both Ooh, that's interesting. Have, they're at the same time, so I can only watch one. And I, I haven't decided yet because I, Dortmund are kind of my team. They're the one who I support, but I don't have a strong, strong love for them as such. I've just uh, chosen to support them as I have done over the years, to be honest. Um, but um, Leverkusen v Mönchengladbach looks to be such a good game that I might just have to give Jaden Sancho and Co a miss because, um, yeah, it just it just looks to be such a promisingly entertaining matchup. And to be honest, I can't wait. You might have to do some dual screen in Orlando, get both on. Yeah, I might do oh, that. That'd be good <laughs> on, my lap- on my laptop and on my TV. Yeah, that would be a good idea. I mean, I think um, on just further on the Lakers game, I, just as a starting point, I didn't realise Bremen were his brothers. They were. I'd say I don't keep to date with all the Bundesliga games. I watch highlights when I can, when the Prem, you know, when, when stuff is normal and we're watching the Premier League and stuff. But only really of the top teams, I didn't realise where the Bremen were that bad. Obviously, they had De Bruyne on loan a few years ago, and he was great. And I just kind of assumed they were an okay mid-table side, but they're looking like they probably are going to get themselves relegated this year. Um, I mean. Havertz is the only one that's got any or has had any solid links to Chelsea from Leverkusen or well from anyone in this game um, do you think they need to sign him he was great in this game Orlando but personally I don't think Chelsea need to sign him we we, I mean you can't turn down a player like that but it would effectively be a signing maybe to just take him away from rivals rather than because we need the position would you agree? Yeah I do agree with that because obviously we got Mason Mount Lost his cheek, even Ross Barkley in that same similar sort of position. But it is worth being said, obviously, Havertz didn't play in the same position. He played as a number nine and he has played on both wings in, in the past as well as his favourite number 10 position. So he's a very versatile player. But for me, it will probably come at a huge cost, even even in this kind of messed up market because of coronavirus. But yeah, I, I to be honest, I see him, I see him going to Liverpool, I think. That, that's a transfer that's quite likely to happen. That he's a kind of player that they need because they're lacking. Well, obviously they're the best team in Europe at the moment, but they are. If you had to pick one thing that they're kind of lacking in their squad, it's a bit of creativity from midfield, and that's what I think he brings. Um, um, so yeah, that's a transfer that I could uh, definitely see happening. Yeah, obviously yeah. that German link up with Klopp is it's something you think would probably attract him, but I, w- I definitely wouldn't say no to him at Chelsea if. The bank's no, infinite. Course, no, can't say no. Yeah, you can't say no, but I'm just saying we, we probably should prioritise other positions like we have mentioned before and in previous podcasts, like left back and, and possibly a winger, a goalkeeper um, and stuff like that before we need to look at someone like Kai Havertz. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's also worth mentioning, I believe he captained them for this game as well. Um, for So, for a youngster, that's, that is impressive. Uh, shows his, his standing in the dressing room there as well. He's a very respected player. Um, Orlando, you watched... Uh, Cologne 2 Mainz 2 didn't you I, I didn't catch this game so I'll leave, I'll leave this one to you yeah it was a really entertaining game actually probably one of the most enter- obviously not not the highest profile teams but probably the most entertaining game that I watched this weekend 
uh, Cologne went two up, um, and they kind of looked like they were easily top, uh, easily on top. Mainz were pretty poor defensively, but um, but yeah, Cologne bottled it. To be honest, um, Mainz got a goal back through uh, their their young right back Baku. He he got to the byline and delivered a cross for for their striker. Um, and then they got another goal back, which is a fantastic solo goal from the midfielder Kunde. And I, I pointed out on Twitter while watching it, actually, that the, the Mainz have a really, really fun team. They've got lots of really te- techy players, technically good players, really good at dribbling, like um, uh, Boetus. Um, obviously oh, is, he the Robin, Dutch, is that the Dutch guy? Yeah, he's techy, man. He's really, yeah. really good. Um, and Robin Kvizon, obviously, he's one of the top scorers in the Bundesliga this season, but he's also very good with his feet. Um, and Kunde, the goal scorer, and then the young right back Baku, who the, I, I'd never heard of to be honest, but I was really, really impressed by his performance. Only 19 years of age, I think, and the commentator mentioned he's recently got himself into the Germany under 21 squad. So that sh- that shows how good he is. Um, but yeah, really entertaining game. Uh, I think Mainz will be a team that I'm I'm going to pay a bit more attention to now uh, for the rest of the Bundesliga because I, I really I was really liked like their team um, and their players, and this should be a fun team to watch in the future. Yeah, the, as I said, I didn't see this game. I don't, I don't claim to know too much about the Cologne or Mainz players. There, wasn't, there wouldn't be many out of the 20 on the picture, could name maybe three or four. Um, but yeah, the Swedish up top um, that you mentioned before, I've seen him play on a number of times, and he seems to be a really good attacker, like you mentioned. Um, he, he seems to get goals, and he's, he's got a bit of uh, technique and dribbling about him. He, he seems quite exciting. Um, so he's one to watch for Sweden. I mean, he is sweet, Swiss, uh, Swedish, I believe, isn't he? Yeah, he is Swedish. Yeah, yeah, really, really good player. I, I saw in one of the other reels that I was watching that he scored a banger earlier in the season just from about 40 yards out, really impressive. Um, and he, he was he produced uh, in one of the goals a really, really nice path, pass to set up uh, the right-back back who assisted the goal. Um, so, yeah, um, I'll be really looking forward to watching Mainz in the future. Right. Well, just to wrap up the uh, Bundesliga chat from the first nine games of the restart, it was um, a boring one, really. Dusseldorf nil, Paderborn nil. Two guys who, or two teams who are sitting down the bottom of the league, um, obviously taking a point here. Paderborn remain bottom of the league despite taking a point from Dusseldorf at uh, their stadium, uh, but they do sit six points behind Dusseldorf here in 17th. So Paderborn in big trouble just behind Werder Bremen, uh, looking like they may well be doing going down. Uh, neither of us watched this game and not, not much happened in it, so not much to comment. Yeah, but um, just, it's just on. interesting. I heard uh, the Dusseldorf captain was saying how. They have to treat each each uh, game remaining like a cup final now, and it's not very inspiring that you know treat it like a cup final, but can't even beat the team who are rock bottom of the league. Um, and I think Dusseldorf are at least yeah at home as well. I think Dusseldorf are about five five or six points ahead of them. Um, actually, I think it's more than that. Um, it's um, Paderborn are six points behind Dusseldorf. Right. Yeah. So that's not very inspiring. Uh, not they'll have to reconsider. Maybe they have to think about it like a World Cup final. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, there's about seven or eight games left for most of the Bundesliga teams. So if they do want to uh, secure the place in the league, they really are going to have to start um, improving themselves. Both of those teams there, that is. Um, but especially Dusseldorf being the home side there, you maybe would have expected them to 
to get the win. Um, just finally on the Bundesliga, that's all the games. Um, but is there a, maybe a moment from the from the first weekend that you really enjoyed? Something little, something big, a goal, an assist, and a, a, a tackle, a dribble, anything for you that stands out, Orlando? Your favourite moment? Um, I would say the Matthias Cunha goal against Hoffenheim. Obviously, Good I was watching live, but the first time I saw it, I was I was flabbergasted. What a goal! Really, really impressive. And then the other one. I would also mention is Julian Brandt's flick, which we've already talked about. That was brilliant. Yeah, we mentioned that. My one would be, it's actually um, one that might, not people might not have even necessarily noticed when it happened. Um, but it was actually the assist for the Guerrero goal, where he put it in like, with the outside of his boot. I believe Haaland played Harland, it. It was just like yeah. a first time little through ball. Like I said earlier, he just offered everything from a striker. It wasn't like a like an eye of the needle, like you know, Fabregas pass, but it was like back to back to the defender and just kind of like almost let it hit his foot to play Guerrero in into the box one on one. And then it was a lovely finish. He sort of, you thought he was gonna put it the other side of the keeper, but he kind of like put his body around and then sort of outside of the booty chippy thinged it into the um, into that near post. Uh, so I actually really like that goal, even though it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't even the best goal in that game, really. But um, don't know why that moment is just one that I really liked from the league. Been missing football, so I like to just see. I like the little things like that, um, rather than. I much prefer a nice little pass and then a, a cute finish, rather than a forty-yard screamer off the bar. To be honest, I'm, like that that Matic goal that he scored against Spurs for us, where it flew off the inside of the bar, obviously amazing. I loved it, and it was against Spurs. But I prefer the one that Tammy Abraham scored this season, where I can't remember who it was against, but he was played in around the corner. I think it was Villa, and then just side foot into the bottom corner. Nice little move. I much prefer a goal like that. So that was my standout yeah. moment of the Bundesliga weekend for me. Um, guys, that's into part one. So we've reviewed all the Bundesliga action that happened this weekend. Uh, in part two, we are going to briefly chat about sort of what we learned by the restart, um, you know, with the coronavirus stuff and what went on and whether we think it's going to could work in a, in a Premier League restart. Obviously, teams have been back in training this week, so it looks like that may be coming back soon. Um, so, yeah, stick around for part two. All right, guys, welcome back to the Chelsea Podcast. This is part two. Uh, so we're going to have a quick chat about what we sort of learned from the Bundesliga restart and how it could take effect in the Premier League as well. Um, there's something that stood out to me is that they had the social distancing stuff um, in place at the stadiums. So the, the teams walked out of the tunnel at different times. They didn't shake hands. I mean, the benches were all two metres apart. Uh, I found this really weird because... Firstly, the, the players on the bench obviously sitting next to their own team two metres apart, um, who they've been in training with all week. And then they go on the pitch and tackle each other and jockey each other from corners and stuff anyway. So I think that was a little bit weird and a little bit pointless. Um, but it can't do any harm, I suppose. Uh, they all have their branded masks on as well, which I think is funny. <laughs> like the yellow and black with the big Dortmund badge on it and all that stuff, which was pretty funny. Um, but I think on the whole, it was actually pretty, um, pretty well run which you'd expect from the Germans, I think, but it was pretty well run. You'll have to see, because they're going to have to do a second round of testing. So now if someone who was negative before these games is now positive, uh, that's where we're going to find out whether it's a success or not, because um, they're going to have to test everyone again. Um, but hopefully, obviously, all, all's well. Um, what did you take from the weekend, Orlando? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that stuff about the social distancing is more a PR thing um, than anything else, I wouldn't be surprised if you if you had a camera inside the changing rooms. The managers are probably saying, you know what, this is a load of rubbish, but just do it anyway because there's cameras. That's true. So you know, in the in the dressing room, I'm sure they're not socially distancing because why would they? They've been in training together, um, and they've all been tested. But um, 
and they will test it negative as well, obviously. Um, but yeah, as you said, there's nothing, it can't do any harm. Lots of people on Twitter kind of nitpicking at it. It was this, this is, this is so stupid, this is so stupid. But realistically, it's not going to make any difference to your life. You know, like, I don't get why people are complaining about it so much when football's back. Just, we should, we should um, be happy about that and be grateful. Um, but yeah, I think uh, overall, um, I've, I've really enjoyed it and I'm just so, so happy that football's back. It's a shame I can't speak German um, at all because it was really interesting obviously with the empty stadiums to hear the coaches and the players screaming at each other even arguing some players on the pitch which I do find I, I found really interesting I'm sure if the Premier League comes back obviously they'll be in English um, and you'll hear Frank Lampard and Jody Morris shouting things um, at the players I mean we did joke um, on Twitter the other day that Jody Morris is going to start singing that we've got super Frankie Lampard <laughs> <laughs> some atmosphere in the stadium um, but yeah I'm sure for the German German-speaking people like yourself, Orlando, was just a little bit more you could take from that. Um, what, what did you make from the entertainers? I thought something was really funny with the Dortmund players, obviously going and giving it the beginning at the end of the game to the yellow wall where the fans would usually be. I mean, Harlan doing a funny interview saying it was all about the fans and then kind of running off. <laughs> um, yeah. Like he does. Um, so, yeah, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Now, to be honest, I'm so happy that it was it was the, uh, the German league that came back out of all the European leagues because I can uh, so, somewhat speak German. Um, and I, I can certainly understand it. So it's really interesting to see what's happening. Um, uh, something that I, I noticed that they, they kept on saying it like every second, anytime anyone into a challenge is weiter, 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 weiter. And that means it's kind of, that, that means, that kind of, it means longer or wider, but it loosely German is so aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of loosely translates to like, come on or go on. So, but they yeah, just that underlay, that scream underlay. it. They scream yeah. it, but I guess they do that here as well. They go, "Come on, go on, go on, mate, go on, go on, son." Yeah, go on. Yeah. But yeah, just constantly screaming, "Vita, Vita!" Um, the managers, the players, everyone. But it's I, I think that's a bit of a perk of behind closed doors. I like to look on the bright side and though in these sort of things. Of course, um, football's not really much without fans, I, um, and it's not an ideal situation. But I like to look on the bright side, and it's just like. You can see who the leaders are on the pitch. That's really interesting to see. You can see who's encouraging, see who's kind of got a bit of a bad attitude or a good attitude. Um, and you can really pick up on what the players are saying uh, to each other. Um, for me and some other people in the German League, especially when the Premier League comes back, that would be amazing to see, see what people are saying. They have to be careful with their language as well. Something I also picked up on, obviously um, people know if they follow me on Twitter, I'm, I'm a referee. I, I, I'm a grassroots referee here in London um, and I was, I was watching the referees quite closely because I was interested to see how this closed doors um, might, might um, affect them and I noticed that the, the referees gave, gave lots more um, advantages, they played many more advantages and they also allowed for f free kicks uh, uh, to be taken quickly much more than they would have done if there was a crowd and that really uh, contributed to the play being much more box-to-box -box, which was interesting because the prediction that I made at the beginning of the weekend was that the game would be a lot slower due to than usual due to kind of people not players not being quite match fit but actually it was quite quite entertaining or at least most of the games were the um I guess the buying game being a bit of an exception because they just had the ball for the whole game. But most of them were really quite box-to-box -box and that was uh, quite a big part due to the referees allowing that um, when they wouldn't necessarily uh, in a stadium full of uh, angry fans. 
um, because you know they have to do that whole of explain it to the player and everything for the for the for the fans to be satisfied. But obviously, when there are no fans, they have to do that. Um, so that was quite interesting to see. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point there. It does open up a new sort of insight into how the game works and how it tactically works. I think in England, you might get quite a lot of from certain teams in the league, um, just a lot of barking from managers. You get, a, I think, traditionally in English football, you do get a lot of more, just you know, get stuck in and uh, let him know you're there. Yeah, <laughs> Chris Wilder. Oh, he's going to be very interesting. Yeah, Chris yeah. Wilder. And um, with Chelsea, we'll be interested to see the leaders on the pitch because Azpilicueta is the captain. Jorginho is known to kind of shout um, from his position. Rudiger as well. I think even Abraham is a bit of a leader as well in, the, in, in up front. So be interesting to hear that if the yeah. Premier League does come back. Um, on the subject of the stadiums, we mentioned that they're empty. Obviously, the Bundesliga... They, you know, they're just playing in the normal stadiums. So Dortmund were at home in, in the normal grounds, and they're just travelling to and from like like normal. Um, whereas the Premier League, one of the proposals that seems like it's quite likely is that they're going to be basically forced to play. In, if it does come back, to forced to play in neutral stadiums. Now, this is a point that's caused a bit of debate. I don't think it is that deep in a sense that if football can come back safely, if that's the way of doing it, then fine. I don't think it necessarily matters that much, but I do support it in a sense that Brit- I I think the British public can not be trusted to not turn up outside the stadium in a mass gathering in a lot of circumstances compared to German people who are notoriously more disciplined and will follow rules, not just on football pitches and, and stuff, but in every German is they are, have a reputation for you know they follow the rules and the laws and they won't turn up outside and obviously there is ultras groups and stuff but I feel like in the UK if there was a game I don't know who we, I can't remember who we've got left to play this season but if Chelsea had a big game or a derby at Stamford Bridge I feel like there would be a group of not a minority group but you know maybe 50 people turn up outside the stadium so I would support it being played up at St Mary's where Chelsea fans aren't going to you know aren't going to be um, I don't know if you. You, you oppose me on that? Well, yeah, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. But to be honest, who's not to say that Chelsea fans wouldn't uh, go to St Mary's or whatever? Um, and I just think that um, by having a, a neutral stadium, it's just going to anger fans even more and kind of cause them to to get, get annoyed. Um, and I think one of the arguments is that... Um, is that it'll mean that there's less travelling because they, you know, that's what they're worried about, lots of travelling. And you can see why, because in the Bundesliga, uh, Zwei, the first fixture on, which I watched on a bit of on Sunday morning, was Hamburg, well, it's Greuter Fürth against Hamburg. And Hamburg, uh, right up in the north of Germany, and they had to travel all the way down to Fürth, which is deep down in Bavaria, so kind of really far. It's kind of the equivalent of, like, London to south of France or something so it really is quite far um, but actually by having neutral stadiums you're probably creating even more travel than needed because it means that potentially two teams are travelling rather than just one and that just creates so much confusion so I don't think that's really an argument um, and it seems that uh, the Premier League uh, clubs agree with me on that because they seem to have kind of vetoed that proposal uh, so it does look like in the Premier League we'll be doing the same thing that the Bundesliga are doing. Yeah, that, that, there's some good points there and, and as well just some news on the Premier League. It looks like, um, like we said earlier, the, the players have returned to training um, today actually in groups. Now, pretty much everyone, as far as we're aware, has returned. There is one high-profile player who 
effectively hasn't he's, he said he doesn't want to go back and that's Troy Deeney from Watford uh, I absolutely love the guy and what he said uh, this is an exact quote is I can't get a haircut until mid-July but I can go and get in a box with 19 people and jump for a header I don't know how that works and I do to an extent agree with him I think he's got concerns over his son's health um, to be honest I think that's a load of rubbish I'm sorry about his son's health fine completely agree but the stuff about the haircut, that is rubbish. I'm sorry, you're a professional footballer. Of course your job is to be in a box with 19 others. Like, you're going to get tested. You can't have concerns about that. If you go to the hairdressers or the barbers, you're gonna, there's going to be a queue. You're going to be coming into contact with the person doing your hair. You're going to have to kind of pay them, put money in their hand. There's loads of, loads and loads of things. Um reasons why that hasn't been allowed yet and probably won't be allowed for a while because it's kind of prime transmission territory in the premier league you're you're professional football you've all been tested there's no not going to be the virus there i just don't see where he's coming from at all so I, i strongly oppose him on that um on the subject of training they have they have uh come back today day of recording is tuesday um uh so yeah yesterday on monday the premier league uh, clubs unanimously, all of them agreed uh, to decide to allow training in small groups, which is uh, they're calling it step one of Project Restart. Um, and so, what this means is that the, um, it enables clubs to move on from individual training drills to small group sessions. Sessions. So, I think it's maximum of six people in each group, um, and they're obviously they're they're maintaining social distancing. Um, but uh, that's the only thing that they agreed yesterday in the decision. So they have ideas for step two and step three, um, but they haven't uh, um, agreed on it. So step two would initiate contact training, but that's yet to be taken to a vote. And step three is a return to play. Um, uh, but they didn't debate any of the major issues about relaunching the league, such as how relegation should be decided if the season's not played out for whatever reason, if there's a second peak or something. Um, they they didn't discuss that at all on on Monday, so they're only just concentrated on on project restart and getting that happened. Um, in terms of testing, each Premier League club has been informed that they may initially test uh, players and essential staff at uh, forty players and essential staff twice a week. Um, uh, and it says here that one club senior staff drew up a list of ranking individuals from the most important down to the 40th member eligible for testing. So that seems wow. a bit odd. They're kind <laughs> of really ranking. wonder if they have their best players first. Or I was going to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> learn, learn a lot. Maybe someone who they don't think is going to make the bench might not even get tested um, because they think that someone's, someone else is more important. Um but yeah, um, we obviously we've heard now that uh, only six people have tested positive out of the 750 that were tested. So that, I think that's quite a good number. Obviously, it is six people with coronavirus who will have to uh, self-isolate for, for seven days. But, you know, that's the way it is. These things happen. And I think that's uh, obviously also that's a lot less than the Bundesliga had when they did their testing before they restarted play. So um, it's not necessarily that bad. Yeah, well, I think um, it is starting to look more and more likely now that the Premier League will restart all going smoothly. I think, um, like we discussed earlier, the Bundesliga restart was largely successful. Uh, we're yet to see the, the tests for the coronavirus this week, so we don't know the numbers of that, but 
on the surface it seemed to be pretty you know run pretty well and go pretty smoothly and all the relevant measures were in place um so i do think that you know if, if the premier League can follow suit that will be absolutely ideal um don't know if you have any any final comments orlando before we wrap up yeah well um just to say that they they are now targeting a restart um on either the weekend beginning the 12th or 17th of of june but uh People are saying that it might not be the 17th. It may end up being the the 24th. But yeah, that's about a month from now. Any of those three weekends, um, so it's not that far away. And I just really hope that everything runs smoothly. To be honest, I'm not that optimistic because um, if there's one thing that I've learned from all this lockdown stuff, it's that the British general public are generally quite stupid, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but it has to... Uh, people will probably come at me for saying that, but it is the truth. Um, and, yeah, um, yeah, I just hope, fingers crossed, it all runs smoothly and we'll be able to have our Chelsea back uh, before we know it. Yeah, completely agree. And, guys, I'm sure everybody else uh, listening can agree that we all want to just see Super Frank's Chelsea playing again soon. But if it's not safe, you know... Unfortunately, life becomes before football, so we'll have to just wait. Um, but yeah, guys, that's about it for the Chelsea Spot Podcast episode five. Um, so you know, we'll we'll wrap it up there. If you've got any thoughts on um, the project restart, guys, feel free to tweet us at the Chelsea Spot. You can find me and Orlando on the socials; they'll be in the description. Um, so give us a follow there and shout us if you don't like anything that we've said. Thank you.